On today's Locked On Royals podcast, we're going to dive into the weekend that was for the Kansas City Royals. We are going to dive into the Royals' dominating win on Sunday against the Padres. Could that put them on the right track for the week ahead? What went wrong on Friday and Saturday? And how is this young lineup producing? All of that and more coming up on today's Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Royals. Email the show, LockedOnRoyals at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into the weekend that was for the Kansas City Royals, including their series over the Padres. We're also going to discuss where the Royals can go from here to attempt to make themselves in a better spot heading into the offseason, heading into next year, and how this young lineup is producing. We've talked a lot about the young pitching staff and talked a lot about guys like Brady Singer coming around, but how is this young lineup doing? Because it'll take both of those things to end up making the difference for the Royals long-term. I want to thank you right now for making Lockdown Royals your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Royals baseball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms as well as on YouTube. And for your second listen, folks, the Lockdown Podcast Network is massive, and so we've got for you Lockdown Chiefs, Lockdown Mizzou, Locked on Jayhawks, locked on K-State, every college, every NFL, every MLB, every NBA team that you want, hockey team as well. We've got we've got it all for you. So make sure you're getting what you want, what you need, and let's talk about this weekend. So if you remember the weekend preview, I thought that this could be a trap game for the Royals. I thought that the Royals were were capable of beating the Padres because of all the way all the ways it lined up. So the Padres were struggling a bit, maybe starting to press a little bit. And the Royals had an off day before the series started and an off day after the series ended. So that was going to lead the Royals to, you know, possibly having that edge about them where you come into Friday rejuvenated and overlooked because the Padres are struggling and, and, and you've only won 51 games this year and you're excited, you're at home, uh, you've had that day off, you're, you're ready to get back at the ballpark. And then on Sunday, you're thinking, hey, you know, you can look forward to that day off on Monday and then all you got to do is shoot up to Chicago. So not even a long road trip. You can truly utilize that off day on Monday. Um, and that just didn't play out all that way because on Friday, the Padres won 13-5. to 
the, the big story from this game on Friday is just Chris Bubich getting roughed up for the first time in a long time. He's been on a roll of quality starts, and uh, he's been on a roll of just pitching a lot better. But in this game, kind of reverted back to some old habits. Very, very, very hittable. Through four innings of nine-hit baseball, six runs allowed, one walk, three strikeouts, and then let up two home runs. And, and that's your ball game. You know, you give up six runs through four innings. That's a lot of pressure on your bullpen, and they just didn't come through. Now, Snyder pitched a clean inning of work in the fifth, but then Brad Keller comes out of the bullpen to the tune of three hits and one run allowed with a walk and a strikeout. And then Amir Garrett, who's supposed to be you know one, a reliable veteran for you. He has a five ERA this year. He gets only one out and gives up four runs off of five hits. And then the game gets so out of hand and so just, um, you know, laughable that Hunter Dozier comes in and he pitches an inning. Uh, He pitches the ninth inning, two hits allowed off of him, two runs allowed off of him with a walk and a home run allowed. And so that's how the Padres scored 13 runs off of 19 hits. Their lineup was electric. Kim had a, a three-hit day. Profar had a two-hit day. May Machado had a hit and a, and a walk, so he was on base twice. You had Drury uh, score a run. Josh Bell, two-hit day, two runs scored, an RBI walk, so he was on base three times. Will Myers carved up the Royals again, three for five, two runs scored, three RBIs. Crowenworth, two hits. You know, Myers, Bell, Kim all had doubles. Myers, Crowenworth, Kim all had home runs. Like, it was just to a point where, you know, that offense was clicking on the other side, and you weren't. And I think what's most disheartening is the Royals got to Joe Musgrove. The Royals were able to get to a pitcher as a sub-3 ERA, and they roughed him up for for eight hits and five runs. Only two of them earned, but still, they did scratch across five runs. They got eight hits, they got one walk, they hit one home run, and Musgrove only struck him out twice. That should be a recipe for success. If you get to Joe Musgrove, again, who has a sub-3 ERA this year, if you get to Joe Musgrove, you should be able to win the game. and knock, If you knock him out of the game before, before the fourth inning is over with, which the Royals did, you should not be blown out. And instead, that's what happened. Because then Suarez comes in for a clean inning of work, and the bullpen shuts it down. They don't give up a single run after Musgrove leaves the game. Tim Hill is electric in his one inning. So is that French Cordero for Tim Hill trade really worth it? As he goes one inning, two strikeouts, no hits allowed, and has a sub three ERA this year. Would you rather have Tim Hill right now, or you know the the Frenchy Cordero trade not go through? Now, granted, you parlayed Frenchy Cordero into Andrew Benintendi, which was parlayed into those three Yankee pitching prospects. But uh, you know Tim Hill, Tim Hill looks really good, and he looked really good at the time that you traded him. And then Chris Matt comes in, gives up two hits, no runs. So the bullpen shut down the Royals, but their offense 
did muster up 11 hits, which was a massive day for them, especially considering their current streak. You had Nick Prado and Nicky Lopez with doubles. Nick Prado was the one that hit the home run off of um, Musgrove. So Nick Prado in this game goes two for four, two RBIs, a run scored, and a strikeout. MJ Melendez has an RBI. Bobby Witt Jr. is a two-hit day, two for five. Salvador Perez, a two-hit day, two for three, two RBIs and a walk. So he was on base three times in this one. Nick Prado, two-hit day. Nicky Lopez, two-hit day. And then Drew Walters, one for fourth, a run scored. I, I Now, look, Drew Walters' average is 250 right now. So I get that it's not eye-popping, and later on in this weekend, he'll he'll move it up to 263. I get it's not eye-popping. I get it's not um, just this sign of, of dominance. But I really like the way that Drew Walters approaches the game and approaches every at-bat. He looks comfortable. He looks like he is a professional in the sense of he has a really good eye, I think, I think that he understands the difference between swinging at junk and understands counts and when to swing and what to swing at. And also, I think he understands situation. I think he understands when you need to be more conservative in the sense of when you need to lay off of pitches and try to take that borderline pitch and see if you can make it a ball, and when you need to go ahead and swing and and try for the fences or try for the gap. I think that he just understands the layers of baseball really well, and he never looks overmatched up there. And so he's off to a 260 start average-wise, but I think that that is just bound to go up in the future. So that was the Friday game. After we were talking about you know trap games, turns out on Friday, Padres win 13-5. Now what happened on Saturday as Daniel Lynch returns to the mound after his quality start the last outing? We'll talk about that coming up, but first... I want to ask you a question. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time is way slower and it slows you down when you're high. You put not only yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. We are back on the Lockdown Royals podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter. At Lockdown Royals, email the show, LockdownRoyals at gmail.com. I want to thank you right now for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Royals baseball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms and on YouTube. And also check out Lockdown Chiefs, Lockdown Jayhawks, Lockdown Mizzou, Lockdown K State, and check out Lockdown MLB for the national perspective on baseball. So we talked about the Friday game. Saturday comes around and the Royals lose 4 to 3, but in my opinion, it's once again your young pitching. And this is once again the the struggle that the Royals found themselves in at the start of the season. Daniel Lynch comes in, five innings of work, gets roughed up for nine hits, gives up four runs, one home run, one walk. He does strike out six batters, so again, he's showing you those flashes of 
hey, this guy has really nasty stuff, but in the same breath, gives up nine hits in five innings of work. Gives up the four runs. The Royals give up two hits after he was pulled in the fifth. So they, they survived the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth with just two hits allowed. Now, should four runs be a death sentence? Should four runs lose you a game in the modern era? No. But you see how if you clean that up just a touch, how much better the outcome is. How you can win more games. How you can be more successful as a team. I would still count this as a fine start for Daniel Lynch. He's a five-and-fly kind of guy. Maybe he goes six innings at, at best, uh, in my opinion, for Daniel Lynch. So that's kind of the expectation level. And yes, four runs is not a, you know, is not bearing your team by any means, or at least it shouldn't be if you want to be a good team. But there's just little instances where, yeah, you had six strikeouts. And if you, if you tighten it up a little bit and you don't throw these kind of hittable pitches and you don't kind of leave things hanging, so to say, but then all of a sudden those nine hits trickle down to, you know, five or six, and then all of a sudden those runs trickle down as well. Snyder comes in, one inning, one hit, and then Hernandez comes in for two innings and gives up one hit across those two innings with a strikeout. And then Scott Barlow closes the door, and he continues to have a really successful year. He has a sub-two ERA, one inning of work, one strikeout, no blemishes whatsoever. The Padres' offense, though, continued to be awesome. You got Juan Soto back in that lineup, and he goes two for four with a run scored. Kim kept a sitting streak. He went one for four. Manny Machado, two-hit game. Drury gets a hit. Bell gets a hit. Myers gets a hit. Austin Nola gets two hits. And the Padres just kind of showed, like, their lineup is just so elongated now that they've traded for Josh Bell and Juan Soto. And and it just makes you, as a baseball fan, it makes you disappointed in what um, Tatis decided to do. I mean, with the getting caught up with the steroids and stuff, I mean, this Padres team would be so fun to watch if you had Tatis added to this mix, which is already a really good lineup. I mean, imagine going Kim, Soto, Machado, Tatis, Drury, Bell, Myers, Crowenworth, Profar. I mean, that's a really deep lineup. And then you Darvish, who has a sub-4 ERA. It's sitting at 3.41 as his, as a season ERA. And you got to him three times for three runs. I mean, five hits, three runs, two walks. He did strike out seven over... Uh, he did strike out two over seven, I should say. I beg your pardon. He should strike out six over seven. Uh, and then uh, Suarez came back... The, Second night in a row, one inning, one hit, and then Martinez got the save for sixth of the year. Now, I do want to say, I think that this young Royals lineup did a, did a nice job against you Darvish, who's, of course, a veteran, who's, of course, been around a time or two, a decade or two, and knows what he's doing and, and had a good game himself. But the Royals lineup did, did get uh, three runs off of seven hits, and they walked twice, and Nick Prado had a double in this contest. Bobby Witt Jr. got a hit and a walk. Um, Hunter Dozier, two hit night. M- uh, Mike Massey had a hit, and so did Kyle Isbell. I, I-, I do think that uh, the the Royals' um, young offense, young lineup, was able to flash a few positive things against U Darvish. I think that the biggest thing was just comfortability. 
I think that it's easy to go up against a guy who's a multi-time all-star and a guy of Udarvish's caliber and maybe be shell-shocked, maybe be, you know, overmatched mentally in the sense of feel, feeling defeated before you even get to the plate. And the Royals had none of that. They had no quit, and they were able to try to battle, but Udarvish is just really, really good, and that's the bottom line. I didn't feel at any point as though the the bat was taken out of the Royals players' hands. I didn't feel like at any point that they just kind of punted in that bat or punted a situation or weren't ready to roll. And earlier in the year, it felt that way. Earlier in this season, it felt like the Royals were just overmatched mentally at the plate and that they were beating themselves before they got in the box and just you know subsiding to the fact that they would you know, simply not have success. And it doesn't feel that way anymore for Kansas City at the, at the dish. Now, they're still young players, and they're still going to have to adapt and grow and adjust to big league pitching. But I still like what we're seeing. So Sunday comes around, and, and this is another day where, where I'm saying, look, you got the off day to look forward to tomorrow. You've got a short trip out to Chicago to play the White Sox. Like, things might be getting put together here. And it was, and it did. The Royals hit a you know season high eighteen hits, a season high fifteen runs, and they were able to have success and win fifteen to seven. And John Hazley, five innings of four run baseball, with four hits allowed, seven strikeouts, two walks, same kind of thing. And this is this is where my optimism rests. It's obvious John Hazley can pitch. It's obviously John Hazley has good enough stuff to be a you know, 3-4 starter in the big leagues. It's obvious Daniel Lynch has good enough stuff to be a 2-3 starter in the big leagues. It's obvious that Chris Bubich has stuff to be a one of your five, you know, rotational pieces in the big leagues. That's all obvious, and they show it to you within games. Even in games that they give up three, four, five, six runs in a game, they show it to you. They show you how good that, that, they, can, that they can pitch. But the sequencing might be off, and just minor things where you're not... You're not hitting your spots as accurately as you could from game to game. You're not duplicating that success from game to game. The, the fact that you're able to have the framework of five innings of four-run baseball but only give up four hits and only give up uh, two walks and have seven strikeouts and just those two home runs cost you where you're just kind of not following through. You're just kind of not finishing your pitches. You're, you're just kind of hanging things up a little bit, you know, a little too much. My optimism is because we've seen these guys have success in the bigs, and I believe that they're going to get a new pitching coach. I believe that a new pitching coach can come in, re-examine these guys, and and make the proper adjustments, make the minor tweaks, make them have more success. And so this time your offense came through. We've been saying it for the last two weeks. Four runs in the modern era should not be just considered a, a game in which you didn't give your offense a chance. And the offense picked up Hazley. Costa and Amir Garrett come in. They don't give up a single run. Uh, Mizwick comes in, gives up two runs, but by that time the game was already in hand for the Royals. Uh, Coleman pitches a clean inning. Brad Keller, clean. Uh, and then Scott Barlow gets a clean hold. And then Luke Weaver comes in when the game is just completely locked down and loaded. And he gives up a run still. One inning, three hits, and a strikeout. Now, Look, we did our crossover with Locked On D-backs about the Luke Weaver trade, and, and he was very anti-Luke Weaver. And so far, Luke Weaver's been really bad in Kansas City. But I think it's still a flyer worth taking. And I think that Luke Weaver, with an offseason of 
focusing on how to thrive in the bullpen, focusing on how to thrive in high-pressure situations, maybe he can be a guy that goes from you know, starter to bullpen and has a lot of success, as we've seen a lot of in the Dayton Moore era for Kansas City. But let's talk about this offense. Let's talk about how fun um, this team is. Michael A. Taylor, three for six, four RBIs in the leadoff spot. Bobby Witt Jr. scores a run uh, in this contest. Salvador Perez, three for five with two RBIs and two runs scored. Hunter Dozier, a four-hit game for Hunter Dozier. Four for six, three runs scored. Drew Walters, two for three with two runs scored. Two RBIs and two walks. This is what I'm talking about with Drew Walters. This dude's approach to at-bats is incredible, and it pays off where he gets on base four times in a game. Two hits for Nicky Lopez, two hits for uh, Riviero. Walters had a double, Nick Prado had a double. Michael A. Taylor had a home run in the seventh, so I would have pressed a home run in the sixth, uh, and the Royals were able to capitalize seven for 15 with runners in scoring position. And it was a party. 18 hits, 15 runs scored. They went 15 to 7, and they got to Josh Hader. And, and, and the big story right now around baseball is the fact that the Royals were able to dominate Josh Hader. Josh Hader records a singular out and gives up six runs. He records a singular out and gives up five hits, six runs, two walks, and a strikeout. Not great. And then Will Myers pitches against the Royals, which is just funny because, of course, Will Myers was the, the top crown jewel of, of, of the Royals farm system at one time, and now he's pitching against you in a blowout. But he did have his, he did have his fair share of success, obviously, um, at the dish this, this uh, weekend. We just got done going over that. How do you feel about the weekend? You only win one, you only win one game, but there were, there were a few positive things to take away from each and every game. How are you looking at the weekend that was for Kansas City? Let me know in the comment section down below on YouTube. Also, let me know on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Let me know in the email address, LockdownRoyals at gmail.com, and on Twitter, LockdownRoyals as well. Uh, so you can follow the show anywhere you get your podcasts from. Obviously, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Odyssey, everything. You can also follow the show on YouTube. And I want to tell you right now that the fun doesn't stop just because we're done here at Lockdown Royals for the day doesn't mean you're done at the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got you locked on Chiefs for everything Chiefs-related as you get set for Week 1 uh, on September 11th against the Cardinals. We've got you set for Locked On Jayhawks as the Jayhawkers get set for their new season uh, of football on Friday against Tennessee Tech. I've got the Jayhawks going to a bowl game this year. That's my hot take. Uh, you got Locked On Mizzou and also uh, Locked On K-State you can listen to. And... If you're only a baseball fan, folks, we got locked on uh, team podcasts for every single team and locked in MLB for the national perspective on baseball. So a lot for you to go dive into, a lot for you to go sink your teeth into. Go check it out. We're going to come back tomorrow. And on tomorrow's show, we're going to ask the question, can the Royals make the postseason in 2023? Is there a world in which everything breaks right and everything is able to get put together for the Royals to make the postseason? We're going to dive into all of that on tomorrow's show. And so until then, be good and be good to one another.